0: Hey, y'all. This is Alex on the BuildWin Internal Podcast. Uh, I am very excited for this conversation today. I'm having a uh, little discussion slash hang out with uh, Mr. Matt Biddle. What's going on, man? How's it going, Alex? It's going good. Um, we were just talking a little before we started. Uh, last week, Matt was definitely under the weather. Um and so he's like, "I can barely speak. Can we do this in like a week from now?" And I was like, "Totally fine. That's kind of the point of this is for you to be able to talk." Um so Matt, I guess the way we'll start is well, all right. So, what's your like job title at this point? You've been a couple things, I feel like.
1: Yeah, so I think my job title my official job title is Director of Talent Acquisition, which um, you know, like right now is basically a fancy name for a recruiter, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And yeah, I kind of bounced around. I think when I got brought in, it was more, it was kind of a hybrid. Um, let's help the partners out with recruiting and, and um, help hire for them, but then kind of go further and look at their HR process, stuff like that. And then um, kind of at the turn, at the end of the year, um, you know, they're kind of talking about build with people. And then they're like, Hey, how do you feel about just being the internal recruiter? Because we're going to build out this build with team. Um, so that's what I'm focused on now is pretty much hundred percent build with, you know, our processes and, and recruiting for us. So
0: nice. Um, well, I mean, you've certainly obviously had a big hand in building this team. So I can uh, speak for the whole team and say, thank you for bringing in good people, bringing good people to the attention of the rest of our team. So we can, can, you know, bring on people that that are the right fit. You know, I think, um, I've said it on maybe the internal podcast before that like you are the first filter in a lot of ways um for who comes to buildwit. And so I think, you know, when you are sorting through submissions for positions at BuildWit or something like that, are you are you trying to just think, you know, does this person align with the BuildWit values? You know, do you have like a system you're thinking about when you're doing that?
1: Yeah. So a lot of times you can only get so much off paper, right? So, I mean, and what really, what I really changed things up when I came to the build side of things was I paid more attention to how people wrote their resumes and, you know, I kind of like it if I see some quirks in there or something that just kind of vibes with us, right? Like, so, um, you know, we've got a certain style here, but it really, it really depends on the position um you know obviously with video there's very specific things that they have to have on the video side yeah. and then and then after you see what they do then it's okay do they fit where um you know if you've got senior brand strategists things like that that's kind of another skill set too it's like okay what have they done in the past but then you get on the phone with them and it's like it's hard to describe what I look for once I'm on the phone, but it's more just reading the person, right? Like yeah. Richard Vinny was talking about finding attributes and things like that. And it's more just reading how they're reacting to your questions and, and how they're communicating to you. And it's like, so on the brand strategy side for like, let's say build a creative. It's like, all right, do, you know, would Lori think this person's a good egg or not? Right. Like, yeah. So that's going through your head all the time. And the other ones is like, you know, can this, can this person last a week with the content team, you know, are they going to be able to, um, you know, go out with shell and angel and, and Eric. And now, you know, Justin is out there now and, and Brian, um, you know, are they going to, are, are they going to have a good time? Or are they going to hate life? So it's, you know, just those few things to look for.
0: Yeah. I feel like you have to be really specific with all of that. And I think with our, Team, it's really interesting because, well, I'm. This is an assumption. This is not based on anything I really know. So I'm talking to you as the expert. I feel like companies that have somebody like you on their team are generally probably a lot bigger. Is that a fair assumption?
1: Yeah. Well, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that, like, I was like, what employee number fifteen or something like that. So it's unusual to have. An internal recruiter at that size. Um, you know, I went into a company, um, an engineering firm that had 50 people. And uh, up until here, this was like the smallest company that I yeah. worked for. And, you know, they wanted to grow. And eventually, you know, I think by the time I left there, they had just over 200 employees. But wow. that was their first time having an internal recruiter too. But they were kind of a seasoned, you know, they were they were a 10-year-old company with 50 employees.
0: so. I think what's cool is you were talking about, you know, if you're interviewing a videographer or just doing a screen, a phone screen, basically, or any of that, you're not thinking, would this person, or you are thinking, but in addition to the, the, does this person fit with BuildWit, you also have to think, does this person seem like they would fit in with the existing team? of whom I have spoken to all of them and know them. You know what I mean? Like it's right. If, it's a little bit more personal. I feel like then um, s- say like if it was just a much larger company where you, there's no way you've met that di- people in that division or oh, something right. like that, you know, it's just a little bit more personal. Yeah.
1: Well, like where I came from before, you know, we, we had the Bridgestone account, which was, I mean, the, that account was humongous. We, we hired like 12,000 people a year for them. And, You know there's no way that we would know hey this mechanic is gonna be the right vibe with the manager there right yeah there's no you could just never know know that right like you know a couple thousand stores across the country you know there's not i mean i I guess you could try to get to that level but that's what's nice about here is you know you you spend you know i've spent i've spent a couple weeks in the field now i think with the content team to get to know everybody yeah And that, that helped a lot because you can, you can see, you know, in person, you can read their body language, mannerisms, um, and then get to actually know them. I think it's hard over the phone and text message and things like that. Right. So when you spend more time with people and then you really pick up on what they really like, what they don't like. And then that, that helps recruit too.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like as a recruiter, you have to have like a baseline knowledge of a lot of things outside of like your typical work skill set like do you feel like you have to know some basic language for you know web developers and basic, basic language for um marketing and basic language for videography like do you have to understand that a little bit or is that just sort of like baseline baseline what their uh, resume says and then you can pass them off to a conversation with somebody who's an expert
1: no, hundred percent. So I mean, you have to learn some of the lingo, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise you don't have any credibility when you're talking to the person. And it's like a lot of the times what I like to do is if I'm new to a job or whatever, I'll find, I can always find someone I can trust to talk to and just be like, Hey, you know, do you have a little bit, I want to pick your brain. So I don't sound like an idiot on the phone yeah. of these people. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so just like, even like going out with the content team, like watching what, angel does and asking questions about what the different cameras are. And it's like, and then asking what kind of cameras do we use? What are some things that, you know, if I can get some terminology down, um, a hundred percent, but like, you know, you've been a web developer too. So I haven't dabbled too much into the website of things, but like, you know, especially when you're technical recruiting, you, you can't call things by the wrong name. They'll see you the mile away. And, and there's yeah. too many recruiters out there and that are strictly recruiting on, commission and (laughs) just trying to, you know, basically they spam everybody with a keyword on LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. and in order to avoid being one of those, you need to learn at least enough to be dangerous on the jobs that you're recruiting.
0: Do you feel like you're pretty naturally um, curious in those ways? Like, does that sort of education, does that come naturally to you? Do you feel like you have to actively find those things out, have those conversations?
1: Yeah. So I'm always curious about stuff. And what's funny is me and a bunch of friends that are in recruiting, like we joke around about how like we're professional creepers, right? Like like, we we find out information and then like, we have to find how to contact these people and what they do, their background. So it's like, just, it's just being nosy, right? You want to know how they ended up here and, and what their backstory is. But then also you have to be genuine too. Like I, like when I'm being curious and nosing, I, I, I genuinely want to know you know where they came from and how they ended up there. And because everybody has an interesting story, right? So yeah. it's like, and you need that story to present to whoever's going to be hiring that person so that you know, not everything on paper makes sense until you have the story behind it.
0: Mm-hmm. What makes a, uh, I don't want to say, bad recruiter but like what makes or what are some um qualities of a recruiter that's definitely going to get their email deleted pretty quickly
1: (laughs) it's basically like it's it's too salesy right or you're not adapting it's almost like when you're writing your resume You need to you need to adapt it to who you're sending it to. Like at least look at the job description you're applying to and tweak some things before you send it. It's just like that with like I can't just have one blanket email that I can't send send the same email on LinkedIn to a videographer as I am one of our brand strategists or brand coordinators. It's not going to be the same thing. Yes. So it's it's basically changing it up for your audience because it's it's I guess like. Marcus was saying it's like marketing and sales are together. It's almost like marketing and recruiting are together because you yeah. have to know who you're targeting and know what's going to give you like oh no get, you know get this guy out of my email versus all right I'm interested you know so it's just constantly tweaking and maybe doing a little bit of research before you start just blasting off
0: mm-hmm. LinkedIn
1: and mails or phone calls.
0: I feel like with Build Red and the industry that we work in, <laughs> I feel like your job's kind of meta. Because what Marcus and Aaron talked about on their podcast a couple weeks ago was that, you know, when he was talking about marketing, he was mostly talking about how can our partners and people and companies like our partners market themselves to potential employees. And that's something that we, You know, we do a lot of, um, you know, like with the ads for our partners, for them, you know, just to get applications and things like that. You're helping to bring in people to our company so we can help other people bring in people to their company. You know, it's like this big long chain. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly a different kind of of marketing. But I do like that you talk about that they are really related. Um, You know, because in a lot of ways, like you are a a one of the biggest, most important parts of like the way we sell BuildWit to potential employees. You know, obviously we're not hiring large, large groups in, in the way that maybe some of our partners might, you know, if they're like saying, we need 10 operators as fast as we can get them. But right. you're, you're still having to you know reach out reach out, maybe sometimes even cold call type, reach out to these people and say, you know here's what's great about Buildwid. are you interested you know basically does this something sound like worth a conversation to you which i think is kind of cool yeah absolutely
1: and then on the opposite end of that too like buildwit obviously we've built this brand right and so you've got a lot of people that just ping you on instagram and like hey i want to work for you And you have to kind of sift through and be like okay what's what's actually worth talking to and what's not right you know is mm-hmm. someone basically just a fan that wants to talk to to, uh, to somebody here hoping to meet Aaron, or is it someone who generally you know would have the right fit they're they're down with the mission and and want to work here right so there's that aspect too
0: it's like what's that term sexy indifference where it's if you come on too strong and be like i don't know maybe you're not the right kind of fit but if, you know, you were to reach out to somebody and they're like, "Yeah, I could be interested. Let me think about it." Then all of a sudden you're like, "Ooh, they might be great for this. I better keep on them." Right? It's
1: the psychology of it, right? Yep. It's like like when something's too cheap, it's like, "Ooh, yeah, that's probably bad." You know, and it's the same thing with Exactly. Man, this guy, this guy won't leave me alone, but he won't leave you, you know, generally. Like I've got somebody right now who's freaking awesome. Like he met with Aaron and and I've talked to him before too. We don't have anything for him right now, but, you know, probably down the road, but Again, he's like one of those, it's like every other week, Hey man, how's it going? Just, you know, you know, how still hiring or, you know, yeah. hiring yet and this and that, who can I talk to next? So it's like, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's borderline annoying, but it's there. It's awesome that someone's this pumped to be talking to us. But on the other hand, it's like, still, it's like, all right, you know you got to make sure this is the right person before I send them off to Lori or Kate or Chell or yeah. whichever direction we would go and with them, you know,
0: mm-hmm. um, of the people at BuildWit, like has, have you started a lot of the conversations of people that you've um, eventually extended offers to or have they all been submitted to you? Uh,
1: it's a good mix. Okay. Uh, honestly. So, um, yeah, there's been ones that I've I've pinged on LinkedIn um, and started off. And then there's a handful that it's like, hey, I saw you're hiring, you know, and, and I went in. So um, it's it's probably a good mix.
0: Love it. Um, well, we can we can shift gears a little bit. I did want to just get like some background, like r- recruiting stuff and kind of what you've really got your hands on. Because, you know, I I just fully believe that, you know, our team doesn't look the way it does. Um, um, if we hadn't brought you on to do what you're doing, so that's very very cool. Um, awesome. so Matt, you and I both understand what it's like to grow up in Ohio, but I don't know that everyone else does. So, can you just give like your quick story of how you got here to build with? Kind of what happened before then?
1: Yeah, and real quick about Ohio, I was chuckling because you had that Ohio shirt on on the call today and I was thinking like we grew up in very different parts of Ohio. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, what's, that's, what's kind of cool about Ohio. Like we have, like, I obviously live in cornfield farm country, Ohio, but then we have like Columbus and Cleveland and Cincinnati that are like real cities. Right. And, Mm -hmm and um it's like you see those memes it's like i'm from ohio and it'll be like secret point it says you know no i'm from ohio and it's like cornfield or whatever you know and it's it's just funny like that but no so how i ended up here um i mean do you want the way way back or like well yeah just like you
0: know where'd you grow up uh what'd you go to school for that kind of stuff sweet all right yeah fair enough so
1: um you know uh, grew up in a very small area and my first school, when I went to kindergarten, I went to like a small Catholic school and I had seven kids in my class. So, and the, and the school was so small that, so in kindergarten, you went, you had just your class, but then after that, it was like first and second graders were in the same classroom with each other. And then third and fourth graders were in the same classroom as each other. And then after that, you went off to middle school somewhere. So I went there until fourth grade and then um we uh I went to the a public school. It was called Bettsville, Bettsville Local Schools or whatever, which doesn't even exist anymore um because their treasurer got into some trouble and then they ended up the state ended up making the next school district over basically merge with oh, that man. and combine <laughs> the two schools. So yeah, that's it's pretty funny. But um there I had like 25 kids in my class there. Um, I went there from what, fifth grade until my sophomore year. But, uh, you know, it was like, one of those. you know, we had a tight knit group of kids that we hung out with and what's cool about going to those small schools is like everybody plays sports, right? Like, so there's, you don't cut anybody cause you need everybody. In fact, yeah. you're like encouraging as many people as you can, you know? So then my parents built a house in another school district. Um, my junior year junior junior going into senior year so we ended up switching schools my last two years but again it's it's kind of like the same like all these schools play each other in sports and stuff and it's like you're in the same county so switching schools wasn't drastic because if you were in sports of any kind or like just hung out with other people like you knew people from other schools so it wasn't like this huge shift it was just hey i'm going to school with these guys now yeah. But uh what was funny was so schools I went to K through twelve was all in the same building. So like you just had different hallways, and in the school that I had was all one level, so it was just one hallway. And I went to a school that had a second floor, and I'm like I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't realize that if your classroom started with a two, it meant on, on the second floor. And I was like scrambling <laughs> the first couple of days and yeah. stuff like that, right? But I ended up graduating with like 67 kids out of there but you know i always did um i was always decent at basketball and then um, we did like the baseball thing up until junior high um but it was mostly basketball i did golf but that was more of like a social social sport to play yeah Um, i only did that for a year but then like sophomore year um i kind of You know, I I slimmed down and I was always really tall and and so like the track coach is like, Hey man, you should try to run a four hundred and I laughed (laughs) at him. I was like, No way, no way. (laughs) So we ended up I ended up um going out for track and we ended up having this like badass four by four team and we went to the regional finals at state. So it was (laughs) it was pretty cool because like we were all like six foot four, like I I think all of us, nobody was under 200 pounds on that team. It was like, and we'd get up there and people would, you know, the smaller guys would kind of be like laughing or whatever. And then we'd take off and they'd be like, holy shit, you know? But, uh, but yeah, that was fun. And then during that whole time, my dad and grandpa had a machine shop when I was growing up and it was really successful. And like, I think I started working there in second grade mowing the lawns and then, Like in junior high, middle school, you know, I was cleaning the office at night, cleaning the bathrooms and sweeping the shop. And then through high school, they ended up having, they got big enough where they had a second shift. And, uh, at the time they, so they had like, they were, they were a machine shop that did a lot of custom work. So there was like a a lot of one-off stuff, but then we also had like the production stuff that we'd make these aluminum parts. Um, they're actually a cover for the, uh, you know, those hydraulic things on doors, help them from shutting or whatever. Yeah. So it was like a big aluminum cover that basically all I had to do was put this thing in a jig, press a button, it would do its thing. I'd unload it, clean them off, pack them up and ship them. Right. Yeah. So I, I did that until probably I was doing that at nighttime until I was like I don't know, 16, 17. And then senior year, I spent a lot of the time with my dad um doing like sales calls because that's I only ever planned on working there. Like that was that was my career path, right? It was gonna be working at the shop. And uh so then I was actually starting to take over accounts from my dad and things like that. Well then I wanna say it was like the week that I graduated high school, my dad and grandpa blew up and split. Like <laughs> they they decided to well how it was supposed to go is it was supposed to be like, all right, let's let's split this. Um grandpa's going to buy dad out. We're going to work on family, go from there. And then it turned out to the last time I saw my grandparents is at my high school graduation party. Oh wow! <laughs> so, so it was, I had already planned on going to college, but it was going to be more of a formality. It was like, Hey, why don't you go to school for business since you're going to be working here to help whatever. And you'll get a yeah. degree and, and very blue collar on both sides of the family. So I was the first one on both sides of the family to go to school. So, you know, so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll do this and i have no clue what I'm going to go into. Right. So I think freshman year of college, I ended up uh, I was working at this um, place called J sales up at the lake. And I was in the wash bay. I worked for the service department yeah. and things like that. And it was like one day these, people came up and they were slammed and these people had a bunch of questions about jet skis and I love jet skis. So I'm just like, Oh yeah, you need this one. And you know, I'd go with this brand. I'd go with that one model a lot. went to the sales manager. I'm like, Hey, you know, these guys, I already talked to him about the Yamaha. They're going to, you know, and he's like, dude, you should, you should go into sales. You know, you'd probably be good (laughs) at it. So I had never thought about sales before. Um, I guess, you know, my career or whatever. So ended up, just finding I ended up being like cell phone sales at best buy and then worked in the computers and things like that. And then I hop back and forth between J and J and, and best buy I'd work at J and J sales in the summertime. So I could be at the lake selling jet skis, boats and yeah, motorcycles and then go back to best buy during the school year. And I, I and uh, so I, I forget what happened with that, but we were, Oh, I know what it was. We, I got married and my wife and I were like, Let's, let's get a checking account at neither one of our banks. Like, we both had a regional bank from our own hometowns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so we go to Chase and sit down and talk to the banker, and he's like, Hey, man, you should work here. Like, you're in sales. <laughs> and, and I'm like, Really? You know? So, I went through that. So, I ended up getting hired at Chase Bank. Oh, wow. And uh, so, I started as a personal banker. Um, and of course, this was right before I got in there at like an 07. So, that's when like, banking is like what it is now where yeah. it's like, here's a loan here. You know, you're going to buy a second house. Here you go. <laughs> you know, yeah. type of thing. And, and, um, so the money was really good. It was, it was awesome at first, Um, but then I ended up working my way into business banking and, uh, got to know, I was, I was working in Finley, Ohio and I got to know a lot of the companies around there. Well, then like, Recession hit and it was like a flop. And the bank didn't say. The bank tried to say they didn't close down commercial lending, but they closed down commercial lending. And you know, I'm I'm 25 years old, sitting at my desk, looking at these guys that have, you know, 50 year old trucking companies. I'm telling them that they can't renew their two and a half million dollar line of credit that they've used up all of now because of the recession. And oh yeah, it was it was bad news. And uh, so there was a recruiting company called the right thing. And somebody's like, Hey, they're hiring over there. Recruiting's like sales. Like you, you would probably be good at it and you'd like it. And so I went over there and, and started. And, uh, yeah, it was, I think I was there for two weeks. I went through training and they're like, Hey, we're going to get a call on, we're going to get on a call with Gulfstream. stream. Um, you just need to pitch yourself to them. Um, they don't know that you haven't been a recruiter before. Um, <laughs> so so just kind of play it like you know what you're doing and and uh basically like a sink or swim type thing. So yeah. we hopped on there and ended up killing the interview on there. And then that was my first account that I was on and it was a really cool account to be on too. Nice and then I got to be a part of a handful of different accounts and then kind of work my way up, you know, and and uh yeah, from there went on to an engineering firm that I was talking about earlier, um, where they wanted to grow their company and Kind of did my thing there for about three years and helped them get to 200 employees. And then I had people scout call me out of the blue and uh, like, hey, do you want to work from home and make a lot more money?
0: You're like, you yes. Know, type
1: of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out great because it was right when my son was starting kindergarten, we didn't have busing in our area. I, I can't remember why, but we didn't have busing in our area and uh it all just worked out really well and then i was able to kind of climb the corporate ladder there i guess you could call it right yeah. went in as a recruiter worked my way into a, like a team lead position and then ended up being an operations manager at the end of it and uh yeah I got to be i was on the same account the entire time but I, I think i worked every single part of the country every aspect of bridgestone so then uh I had worked with Shauna uh, Armstrong there for quite a few, you know, for for the whole time that I was there. And she, uh, she gave me a call one day and well, she was trying to get me in here before she's like, Hey, do you want to be a contract recruiter? And I'm like, man, like, I've got, I've got a really good gig where <laughs> yeah. I'm at, you know, like, like I've, um, I've got a big team that I'm leading and she's like, you think you want to sign? I'm like, and that's like one of those things where it's like, they're a corporate giant. So if they find out you're doing some work on the side for something, you're gone. Like they yeah. don't even care. Right. And, uh, so it's like, I can't, I can't chance that. And then I think a couple months later, she's like, Hey, do you, you want my job? She's like, <laughs> you know, she's telling me about her son. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk to Dan and Aaron and talk to them. And of course, like, first off you see the website and it's like, Holy shit, this company is legit. And then, and then it's like, you talk to Dan and Aaron and it's like, all right, I'm ready to run through a wall, you know, and then you start listening to podcasts and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for my offer. Right. Yep. So, so then that's, that's how I ended up here. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you for laying that out. You know what? Th- it's so funny that you were talking about, you know, since both of us are from Ohio and just the, <laughs> di- the difference in like your upbringing versus mine. Like I'm also not, I mean, I'm from a place called Hamilton, Ohio, which is right. it's not a big city in terms of like you know a big downtown and all of that. Like there's like fifty thousand people who live there, but there's not like a real city center or anything. You know, it's like mostly right. just a suburb with chain restaurants. Um, but I can also <laughs> I can also uh, relate to you in that. Um, you know, I was like six four, two fifty in high school, and of course they're Maybe. like, "Hey, what sports do you want to play?"
1: Exactly. Yep. yep. You don't, and, and that's why I was trying to tell like my son, right? So I moved to a town. I still talk about being a small town, but I we have a Division One high school. Okay, so it's not, it's not what's crazy the, small. What's Robert the high town. school where you live now? Fremont Ross. So that's where my wife graduated okay. from, and uh, so like what I was trying to explain to my son, like he's doing pet tackle football this year. He's, he's going into sixth grade and I'm like, he was kind of hem hauling around about it. And I'm like, here's the deal, man. Like when I was growing up, I could play whatever I wanted to. I was the big guy in the school. It's like, yeah. I, I had to have zero talent to do whatever sport I wanted to be in. I'm like, you've got more boys in one grade than I had in my entire high school. And I was like, so if you want to even try to be into football, like, He's going to be big. He's already he's he's twelve years old. He's he's five six, one forty five. Yeah, like weighs wears a size eleven men's shoe. Like he's going to be a big Big dude, dude. right? Yeah. So, but like, just because you're big doesn't mean you're going to play for a D one football team someday. So it's like you need to start now. You need to start getting good now. And you know he he's pissed because there's restrictions on who can carry the ball at at that level. So you can't weigh over one hundred and twenty pounds and be an eligible receiver. So you have to play the line. Yeah. So so it's like, you know, something that my parents were terrible at explaining to me was everybody has a role on the team, right? So it's like not everybody's the quarterback, not everybody's the pitcher, you know, not everybody is is the glitzy person that everybody wants to be, right? But like mm-hmm. there are very important roles on every team. And I'm like, dude, if you're on the line, you're either protecting the quarterback or you're getting to the other guy's quarterback. Like, yeah. it's a huge job. Like without the line, you couldn't, you can't do anything. And, and then I was trying to, you know, let them know too, like, Hey, you know, a tight end is a receiver. You can't play it now, but you can play that position on offense until next year when you can receive the ball. So prove yourself yeah. where you're at and then go from there. You know,
0: I love that. Is that like us to protect the other kids? Why, like, there's like a weight limit on?
1: Yeah, because the, he had. So, I mean, so basically, this program's for fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. They each have their own team. But like, when my son played the first year, I mean, there were two kids on the line that were over 200 pounds, and they're oh, wow. fifth grade. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think what I think what the whole mentality there is, you know, put the big boys up against the big boys, and you know, if you're, if you're smaller carrying the ball, once they're passing, you're not going to get tackled by a big guy, right? Like they're (laughs) going to fly past you. And then it's like smaller guys hitting each other and, uh, and you know, less injury and and stuff like that. So it's, it's protect the other ones probably not necessarily to
0: protect him. I also, I also love the way you were talking about roles and stuff too. You know, one thing my wife and I've talked about just from like a parenting perspective is, um, I almost don't care what my kids like get into, you know. As they grow, it. I think what matters to me, and, and maybe this is sort of like some correcting from just like my own childhood, you know. But it's like I'm happy for my kids to love whatever they want to love. Let's just like, if we really, really love it, let's like spend time on it. You know, let's right. Let's try to get good because it feels good to be good at stuff, you know. And I, I feel I like the way you're talking about roles, I feel like really goes into that too. You know, it's just like, be good at what your opportunity is to be good at, you know, spend time on it. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And then realize, realize that, you know, every, like I said, every role plays its part. Like every, every role is is just as important as as the next. And Mm -hmm. if it's not the role you want, then, you know, how do you work to get there? (laughs) Otherwise just be really good at that. So,
0: yeah. Um, all right. So, how long were you at what was your last company before BuildWit? People Scout. People Scout. How long were you at People Scout? Five
1: years. five years. So what's what's funny? What's funny is is they actually sent me like a five year anniversary email like the day I started here.
0: <laughs> like, see ya, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Right. Which is funny because it's like it was almost the same time frame because I have my one year in tomorrow here. So it's like it must have been I must have started people scout like right about the same time when I started here.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's like I, I can also relate to that because um I started at Buildwit like mid-February and I had started at my company before then like in February. Like it was just sort of the same <laughs> gotcha. sort of cycle. Um all right. So Do y'all have a boat? I know you've talked about that before.
1: Yeah. So it's my parents' boat and I went on that boat. So we usually live on it like summertime. It's, we try to head up there in the evenings because I'm only like 15 or 20 minutes away from the dock. And then, you know, every, every weekend we'd be up there. And this year I've been on the boat one time and that was like the weekend we put it in the water and it's like sports have been crazy this year. And then the other thing with that too, is since, uh, since this whole COVID thing, there's more boats, people went out and bought boats and campers and all that yeah. stuff. And so it's like every Marina is packed full and it's like, and, and I live in a very seasonal area. So like if you go up to Catawba Island or Port Clinton, you know, it's, there's like one road in one road out type of thing. And, and it's not made for, that many people to be there at the same time and it's like what used to take us 20 minutes to get to the dock is like 45 minutes now and and it's like we've got sports it's it's like every day it seems like you know (laughs) so your job is to take kids
0: to a a practice
1: yeah i feel like that's been like our summer right and and Mm -hmm. uh it's it's literally like seven days a week and i've got you know, Addison's in softball, Matthew's in baseball. Baseball and football are overlapping right now. So they're playing, uh, their, their football season started like last week, but he's playing his championship game for baseball tonight. So that, then he'll slowly work on football. And then, uh, but as soon as Addison's (laughs) softball season gets done, it's like, we're already signing her up for volleyball, which starts like next week. So that'll have overlap too. And so, So yeah, it's, it's kind of a bummer. Um, I think they're going to end up selling it to be honest, because they, my parents used to live on Catawba Island up there and they, uh, they took advantage of this housing market and I think they doubled their money (laughs) selling their house up there and they moved back towards where I'm at and, uh, they never get up there either. So I think ultimately, I think the boat's going to end up getting sold. And then, uh, maybe, maybe when, uh, sports settle down, we'll get back into it.
0: Yeah. A boat is a lot like a pool. It's really awesome when, like, your best friend has one. Right. You know, it's certainly a lot more work when it's your thing. Oh, and my wife
1: and kids are campaigning hard for a pool. Like, oh, of we course. should do, you, you know, we're here, and this, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm like, because I was like, with a boat, you can you can spend however much money on it, and if you end up not having time to use it, it's like, all right, we'll just sell it. It's like, no, you you put this giant hole in your backyard, and... <laughs> spend a bunch of money on concrete and Uh fencing and landscaping, you know, it's there, it's yours, you know, there's, there's
0: no turning back with the pool thing. The materials are so expensive right now. And then also, you know, depending on where you are, it's hard to like even get on a, a pool contractors like schedule.
1: Oh yeah. They're like at least, so there's two pool places. There's one in my area. They're a year out yeah and then there's another one from like toledo area they're two years out and it's just like and you've got to put like 50 percent down before you before they even will put you on their list so that's that's a lot of cash to hand over
0: to not get to anything for get, it
1: right to not yeah. get anything for it and just like so our neighbor our neighbors down the road they were supposed to get theirs put in at the end of july but it's been a rainy summer and they've they can't get to it and they've got all that money invested already. And she's just like, Oh my God, it's going to have to close the pool by the time it goes in.
0: Oh man. Um, we've got some really good friends who they went down the whole, like, you know, we really want to get a pool put in, especially during just like this time where we're spending a lot more time at home. Um, and after like contract contacting every pool pool guy in town, the wait time was like three to five years. That's nuts. And they're like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> we don't want to wait that long. And so they ended up building their own pool. Like they've oh, wow. they've, they've done all of it. They've they've had a couple uh, contractors like subs come out to, you know, like finish up some concrete stuff. Or they had somebody come out and pour like the initial slab. Um, but you know, they've done almost all the work. And the problem is, it's they started in March and aren't done. You know they they're about done like they've put water in it and stuff but they're finishing up tile and then doing some decking and whatever. Yeah. And it's just it's been job. like yeah they just you know he rented a mini excavator and dug a hole and then he's been you know rented a a skid steer and was pushing dirt around in the backyard just like <laughs> and like that's how you have to do it right now which is wild. So um yes the pool thing's ridiculous. We we've we looked at it at our old house and it was like there's no way like we're not doing this right now
1: yeah i mean the one the people i mean and the cost Now, this is a bad example but like there's people like four houses down for me it he they had one put in it's placed from placed from like hawaiian pools or whatever and and uh i want to say all in they ended up with like 120 thousand bucks in this pool
0: Jeez. Like, it, it must is, be I a mean, nice pool
1: oh it's super cool you yeah. know it's got the it starts off it's one of those pools that starts off as like two inches deep and then gradually oh, goes nice. down. And it's yeah. got like the chairs that you sit in there and the fountains that shoot over. I mean, it's super nice. You know, it's like a resort in their backyard, but man, that's that's a big chunk of change for a pool.
0: Yeah. I mean, I our friends who are doing the pool, I think they're gonna it'll be about like twelve grand for their pool. And I mean it's like, you know, ten by ten or something like that. It's not massive, but it's and it's you know I think four feet deep or th- yeah four feet deep all the way through and they put like little benches in there but it's gotcha it's, okay they can heat it so it will be a hot tub and you know so that would be gonna nice gonna say is like a hot more like a hot tub then yeah I mean it's it's like a really 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 big hot tub that can just have cold water in it gotcha um, but still. is not nothing either. Like, that's still a lot. (laughs) Plus your time. I mean, plus your time. Oh, yeah. They've got months invested. I mean, he took, you know, he he gets like, he's a pharmacist for Kroger. And so the way that they do their like real PTO is you take a whole week off. You know, you have like days that you can use, but then in addition, you'll just go ahead and take a whole week. And so one of his PTO weeks he took in the summer, not to go anywhere, but just to, work on the pool you know stuff that yeah. like requires you know eight ten hour days back to back that you just can't really do on the weekend you know that kind of stuff um, yeah. so uh other than the boat what's like some other things you spend your time on
1: so we um so I, I like cars like I know I didn't talk about yeah. it from growing up but like we've got a drag strip that's not too far from here too that I grew up around and so like, we'll go to like events up there. There's some pretty cool stuff for the kids. And, and, um, you know, my favorite is I like watching just the local, like the streetcars race, right? Like, cause that's, mm-hmm. that's something that I could own and drive and take there yeah. versus like the million dollar dragsters. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> both are cool to watch, but I just, I like seeing what other people build and run them and you know, all that yeah. stuff. Um, and then, uh, man, I'm trying to think what else, like um, this is the first time we've had a house that we actually like being at. So, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time just hanging out in the backyard. We've got some pretty amazing neighbors that do stuff with, and, um, usually smoking some kind of meat on the weekends out back. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, we, we like to adventure different places too. Like, like I said, this summer has been weird. It's yeah. the summer with, with kids in sports, so haven't been getting out much, but generally, if anything, anything motor sports, I'm always down to go to. The kids love it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just you know, hanging out in the backyard if it's nice out.
0: Uh, what kind of smoker do you have? Pit Boss, Pellet Grill. Yep. Do you, do so you have any? A... Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I went from a janky when I first started smoking stuff, like what, six, seven years ago. I bought like the cheapest electric smoker at, at Bass Pro that I could. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to invest in this. if I'm going to suck at it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I used that until it broke and then I got this pit boss and I like it because it's like kind of a set it and forget it type thing. Right. Like it's just pellet grills, man. temperature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy and still tastes good and all that stuff and works for me. Cause they usually have to, I'm never home for like nine hours straight. So it, it just works. <laughs> yeah. It just works for me to, you know, or even like during the day, you know, sometimes during the week, throw a pork butt on there at like nine in the morning and then it's done by supper time or something, you know? So And
0: you had to do just almost nothing in between those two times.
1: Right. Yeah. You have to, at one point you've got to wrap it in foil and put it back on. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's about the extent of it. So.
0: Nice. I've I've got just a, a like a Weber gas grill that I've just like slow cooked some stuff on that does okay. Um, I'm kind of now at this point where it's I've I've had the Weber for like uh, seven years, and it's just like I'm just gonna ride this out for another couple years. It's kind of starting to rust through a little bit, and it's like I'll just when it is an obvious time I'll just then go buy like the you know a Traeger or something like right. that. Um, but it's like you know i can i can make ribs happen pretty good um and i've done butts on there a couple times it's passable um (laughs) but no i love that kind of stuff man especially if you've got like the whole day to be home like football saturdays those sorts of things oh yeah i I love that oh yeah yeah.
1: smoke something or i love like football season you usually get chilly going like i'll Get up in the morning and oh, yeah. start a big thing of chili and, and just eat it throughout the day. You know, that's and that's coming up. That stuff's coming up quick. So, I know. before you know, it.
0: my wife and I were talking uh, on Saturday. We were like, I think, just making breakfast for the kids or something like that. And we didn't have anywhere to go. Like it was we didn't have any plans other than just do stuff at the house. And we both kind of said at the same time, like, man, today feels like a football Saturday. You know, it's it was much cooler than it has been. You know, just kind of like the smell of the of the way it smells outside in the morning. It's just like really evocative of kind of like that time of the year, you know. Right, right. Um so remember what all your kids' names were? Matthew Addison and Jackson. Jackson. Right on. Um very cool. Um, what is the dirtiest you've ever been? <laughs> dirty. So
1: we always, so we always had four wheelers and stuff growing up and I, I need to find the picture, but <laughs> so my, my grandpa and his friend Doug are, are like, they dug like a, I think it was an acre and a half pond for us when we built our house. And it actually started to fill with what, they were worried about, like how they're going to fill this thing and this and that. Well, it actually started to fill with water before it was done. <laughs> and, um, so like, it was I forget my parents wrap. I was like, I don't know. We were like 17. And so it's like, everybody had their four wheelers over and we were just like running through this. Cause we had an Island in the middle. So like we would make it to the Island and then go up and then down the other side. And it was like, we were just drenched head to toe and like just saturated. Cause you know, the four wheelers going underwater and everything yeah. else. And then I think we ended up like, like having like this big like mud fight right so it was like my, <laughs> <laughs> my brothers and my friends It was like just like this big brawl and then we went in there and it's like i just remember my parents end up getting home late and the pictures from when like my mom was hosing us off in the backyard yeah because it was and i think we ended up just throwing our clothes away it was it was bad like it was yeah it was yeah and then probably more recently was um we uh we had razors for a hot minute, Polaris razors, side by sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we did like a couple strip. We went with my brother and his wife, and it was me and Natalie. And we went up to Northern Michigan to ride some trails up there. And like we'd ridden all day long, and like we got dusty, but we weren't muddy by any means, you know. And we were like, in general, like if you're on the trail, and there's some water. If you just gun it, you just kind of hydroplane across it because it's not yeah. really deep. It's just whatever. So it's literally like we come around the last turn before we get back to the truck and trailer and it was like, there's this big water spot and I just gun it. And then it ended up, I don't even remember like how it happened, but I just remember gunning it and then all of a sudden I couldn't see anything and we just had this huge gush of mud and water all over us <laughs> and like we were up to like almost like our knees sitting there in freaking mud and water and then oh had man work, work our way out of it and it was like right before we got back to the truck so then yep. i think that we ended up having like water bottles and stuff that we just tried to get at least some of it off so that we could hop in the truck and ride back but yeah
0: so w- were those gas powered those razors oh yeah yeah they've got yeah, yeah. Man, yeah, there's fun. not there's not much that's uh, more fun than just tooling around on those, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially when you get good trails too. Like you get a mix where you can just kind of go flat out and then do a little climbing and stuff like that. they're, they're fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Matt, I appreciate you making the time, dude. This was fun.
1: Awesome, yeah, No problem. I was like, I was so excited to get the the message for me to come on here. I've been I've been pumped to do one of these.
0: So. Well, I love hearing it. Awesome. Well, uh, look forward to seeing you whenever I catch you in person next. Um, I appreciate you making the time, Matt. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. Yep.